Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But if you close your eyes. Emotional vanity. Emotional vanity. Emotional vanity. All right. We are back for another edition of Starting 502 Podcast. Presley Meyer, Nick Connor, live and in person, except for not at all. We are apart and not in person recording on a podcast but no we are here we are two men with opinions and our opinions are going to be much more positive and skewed towards the Louisville Cardinals Cardinals this evening because they came out victorious finally came out victorious 67 to 54 against Boston College um, I think that Nick and I both have some positive takeaways still have some stuff that we think the cards need to work on but with all that being said Louisville victorious, Nick Connor, sunny Cincinnati. How are we doing tonight, buddy? Doing fantastic. Covered a spread tonight. I mean, won by double digits. Did some things well. Did some things better. I'm I'm feeling slightly, moderately encouraged tonight. Like I, I really felt like the effort was much better tonight. And I'm, I'm interested to see what you thought as well. Yeah, I mean, being there in person. So first of all, let's get this out of the way while we have the chance. Um, the, the game was delayed. So, okay, so I was on the way. I was on the phone. I was doing some work stuff. I was on the way. I pulled in and I had a bunch of texts. It was like, Mac McGavick, where are you? You want to grab a beer? And my brother, like, uh, 8 o'clock, question mark. And just like everybody just like texting me, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, I'm just ready to get out of the car, get into the game, grab myself a brewski, enjoy the game as a fan for once. And Matt was like, no, like the, the game is postponed, probably 8, 8, 15, 8, 30. We don't really know. I'm like, what the hell? So I was like sat in my car, did a little work, just did a little, you know. And that's kind of how, uh, that's kind of how the game started out for, for Louisville and Boston College. Uh, the Boston College SID insisted on them warming up for 45 minutes, and they did like a full-on like, like dodgeball. You know, they come out and dodgeball, and like, you know, like that kind of stuff. They did like that stuff. They did like uh, remember the Titans stuff. Uh, They're blowing whistles, and, and and on the other side, you got Louisville basketball just just trying to just like just like the one person in the insane asylum that like kind of has their stuff together, but barely. Like they're barely making it. And, uh, and, you know, they were just, you know, Jalen Weathers was, was throwing stuff off the backboard and, and L Ellis was trying to go between the legs. Like it was just two very different tones and it was just a very different, just feel to a game. Like every time Louisville ran out on the floor, there were actually people in the stands and people were clapping and excited that, that we actually got to see basketball players on the floor, you know, the, what we paid to come to see. But then it was also a weird dynamic because Louisville was only up by two at halftime. And then coming out of halftime, like a third of the people came back. Everybody just went home. Like, I guess like they only pay the babysitter till nine o'clock. So everybody just got the heck out of there. And I don't know, man, like it was, it was a weird dynamic as a whole. It was a weird dynamic because you're, you are playing the worst basketball that you played in, in two, three, four, five decades. And you're playing the worst team in your league. Uh, so that's just a weird dynamic, a weird concept. So we can get into all of that. But ultimately, uh, my, my, my takeaway from the team as a whole uh, was equally positive as it was negative. And I think that that's an improvement from the last two games. So um, I think that after the Florida State game, we really felt like there were some positive takeaways that are going in the right trajectory, and then it really fell off the next two games. Uh, I think that they kind of picked up where they left off against Florida State, and it seems like somebody has gotten into um, into the ears. I'll keep this PG for the kids. Into the ears of, of Matt Cross, uh, Jalen Withers, uh, it, it, it seemed like the, the players that Louisville really needed to step up 
uh, stepped up. And then Chris Mack mentioned, and I mean, it was it's very obvious to see on the floor, Sidney Curry has kind of taken over uh, kind of a leadership role on this team. I mean, six for six tonight, 13 points. Um, he had seven total rebounds, just uh, all around solid performances. One assist was <laughs> freaking amazing. Uh, he had like a bullet dumped down pass uh, that led to a wide open layup that was either going to be caught and be like an and one or it was going to go out of bounds to the bench. And, you know, sometimes you love those. Sometimes you don't because Matt cross had about three of those tonight. That would have been awesome if the other player was looking, uh, but regardless, uh, Cindy Curry looking solid. Um, seems like Mason Faulkner is, is starting to come out of his shell a little bit, a little bit tonight. And then obviously Jalen Withers stands out with 10 points uh, five rebounds and really aggressive going to the basket really the player that Louisville needs him to be. Uh, so overall, positive takeaways for the most part. Uh, we can get into the whole Malik Williams, just weird vibes thing. We can get into Noah Locke, again, just not playing within his, his skill set. Uh, there are still players on this team that seem like they're just not buying into the, to what the team wants. But ultimately, I think you saw the buy-in tonight from Withers. Uh, you saw the buy-in from Williamson. Uh, so uh, across the board, more positive than negative. What about you? What, what was your ultimate kind of takeaway from, from watching this game from afar? I think two things. I think effort and defense were the things that got this game done. Um, again, the line closed at seven and a half. You win by 13. I'll take that all day long. I don't care who the opponent is, quite frankly. I mean, Vegas is not wrong very often. The analytics are not wrong very often. And to my knowledge, Ken Palm was, I think, a five-point win for Louisville. So even even shorter than the Vegas number. So I'm absolutely ecstatic about that. I know BC did some dumb things down the stretch there at the end, but I really like the defense tonight. And a quick look at some of the analytics shows that Louisville's back in the top 50 of defense efficiency just based on tonight's performance, which is seven spots up, unless I'm mistaken. I think seven or maybe nine spots up from the other night. So that's, that's outstanding to me because those numbers don't fluctuate um, that that quickly that often they held Boston college at 29% shooting from the floor tonight. I mean, that's fantastic. 29% from the floor from two, 20% from three Boston college missed 10 free throws, which obviously we can't control that, but mobile defense did everything they needed to do. We've been talking about how they've needed to embrace the defensive identity. They did tonight. You held a team to 54. And again, I know this is a seven and eight ball club. I don't care. I mean, you, you needed to play good defense. You did. I mean, they're really, other than Ashton Langford, I mean, really did well on, on, on the rest of the Boston College Eagles. So I liked what the cards did defensively. I was, I was very interested by, again, the rotation, which we've seen all year. A lot of three-guard lineups with two big bigs, which we haven't seen a whole lot of this year. A lot of Sid and, and Malik together. And then at times we saw Withers sprinkled in there. Really liked what Jalen brought tonight. Um, if there was ever a dunk that we wanted to go down, that, that Jalen... <laughs> That Jalen attempted over their seven footer was was absolutely something. I'm sure the arena, even even with it being on the emptier side, would have come unglued had that gone down. But I, I liked what I saw. I think I think I agree with you in that it seemed like more guys were bought into their role tonight. I'm not willing to say that everybody on the bench and everybody on the team is bought in still. Um, and obviously, it's it's a one night performance against a bad basketball team. But I saw what I needed to see as far as effort. Um, I also, Presley, was really impressed with the amount. I don't have a percentage off the top of my head, but the percentage of offensive sets, quite frankly, ran a lot of sets in the half court tonight. And like a lot of stuff that we just haven't seen a whole lot of, ran a lot of action to try to get Noah Locke catch and shoot shots tonight. He knocked down multiple of those. Again, we've talked about that a lot, getting guys in the right spot. Um, ran a lot of stuff to try to get Mason Faulkner coming downhill. L. Ellis coming around high ball screens, similar things. And, and you love to see that. I, I, I personally loved, we ran it a couple times tonight. There's a, there's a set they went to probably four times tonight uh, where Faulkner would come off a high ball screen and then Malik and Locke would slip together. And uh, depending on how that was hedged or defended or switched, uh, Locke would either have an open look or Malik would then pop out for a three himself and just did things that help those guys get the right looks. Now we did still have stretches where we, just went, you know, hero ball. I know the, uh, the broad, the guy who was on play by play tonight was fantastic. I'm not sure that was, I'll have to figure that out, but he was fantastic and he definitely knew the Louisville scoop. So whoever, 
I don't know if he talked to Rutherford or somebody else, but he definitely had his ear to the ground on some things. But he he pointed out like there for some stretches we went one on one basketball, and it, it kind of came back to the things that we've seen early this season. But you know, I really liked what we did on both sides of the floor, and I felt like this was improvement. Yeah, ultimately, I think the one thing that you and I kind of wanted to get into was was the starting lineup and, and, and ultimately what the coaching staff was is looking at going forward and making an effort to try to get, get your five best players on the floor at one time. I think that in, in without having Dre Davis tonight, I think that's another factor that's as right. well. Louisville essentially went three guards and two bigs a lot. Uh, now that's going to work against Boston College because Boston College is just not as talented of, of a team as you are. Uh, I think that, that that both of the Langfords are very solid. I think that uh, Louisville is ultimately just trying to go for getting their best ball handlers and their best kind of post-up guys and the guys who run the best sets uh, on the floor together at one time. And I think that a big a big deal in this game was that Louisville allowed 10 second chance points. Um, and it would have been more than that, to be quite frank with you, uh, if Boston College would have not missed 14 layups. Uh, that's a that's a lot of layups to miss in, in case you're keeping track at home. Uh, Louisville only attempted 12 layups in their last game. So if that gives you any kind of perspective. But regardless, it was just interesting to see um, what what they kind of were able to bring to the table, the, the tweaks that they're kind of trying to kind of make. Right. And it was also interesting to see the dynamic that kind of came into play when Louisville has three guards and two bigs and all of a sudden they bring in two forwards and how the opponent has to match up with that. So that's that's kind of fascinating uh, in and of itself. Um, I'm not sure what your your takeaways are with playing Curry and Williams together, uh, but but I'll, I'll kind of mesh it, in, mesh it in with this as well. And look, we'll be straight up here. Um, I know that, uh, you know, Jacob and I were on with Mike on Monday, and there was a lot of, you know, beating around the bush, and I know that a few podcasts have had some episodes where they kind of beat around the bush, didn't mention any names. I don't mind throwing some names out there. Look, let's be let's be honest with ourselves because we've all heard it. We all kind of know what's going on. We all know like a, a sense of what's been going on behind the scenes. So Matt Cross was kicked out of practice last week. Um, that caught that led to some issues. Like he only played nine minutes uh, in the game that followed that practice. Uh, additionally, there's been some issues within the team and there's been some issues as far as just the team captains. I mean, Malik Williams has been a, a three-time team captain for this team. And let's be, let's be honest. He's not on the same page as there with everybody else. He's still trying to do things that he's not supposed to be doing. Um, his body is not where it's supposed to be. And I think that's frustrating him a little bit and to be, you know, totally straightforward with everybody. I mean, I, I feel like Malik Williams is just not. Uh, he's just not mentally there yet. Well, I say yet, but like he, he, he was Louisville's best player for about a five game stretch. But right now he's just not mentally there. He's not bought into what the coaching staff is selling. He is not on the same page as the rest of his teammates. Uh, th those that's two major issues right there. And Chris Max said it in the post game. Look, he said, Sidney Curry is the guy who's taken over as the leader on this team. Uh, I, I think that Jared Westall brings a lot of that to the table, but, uh, I mean, it, it's very apparent that, that the team loves uh, rallying around Sidney Curry. And if it weren't for, you know, Shadon Sharp, uh, the guy that, that tore us up from Western Kentucky, uh, uh, Sidney Curry would have been probably a Juco All-American last season. Uh, he played alongside of him and then two years ago played alongside uh, Jay Scrub as well. Uh, so th this is a guy who has kind of been waiting for his moment. And with an injured Malik Williams, you know, and he's really only contending with Gabe Wisnesser and Rose Wheeler, who didn't even play tonight. Uh, you know, th this is he has every opportunity for this to become his team. And he's essentially, you know, trying to mold himself into like a, a bigger version of Shane Bahannon. This is kind of the way that he plays. He's a guy who looks like he's going to cram it down your throat every time. But he has the soft hands, quick feet, finesse, gets up and down the floor. Seems like he's in he's in good enough shape to kind of bang with a four or a five, uh, and he's getting things together on defense. I mean, everything that you see from Sidney Curry, like when it was announced that he was starting tonight in the starting lineup, they didn't do a traditional starting lineup like lights off, you know, whatever. Like they did like a quick like, here's the starting lineup, bang bang bang. And when they said Sidney Curry's name, everybody that was left in the crowd like freaked the heck out because like everybody's just pumped for for Sidney Curry madness right now.
Um, so I'm, I want to see Chef Curry with the pot. I want to see this thing keep going. Um, but the other big thing that we haven't really got into as well is the buy-in from Jalen Withers. And I think that was the other component. So we talked about Cross. We talked about Malik Williams not really buying in. And obviously Jalen Withers has been an eyesore on this team uh, for almost the entire season. That was not the case tonight. It was the Jalen Withers that we expected. Uh, there is obviously a major difference for a guy like Jalen Withers playing the five and, and the four. And for any, for any player, you know, Malik Williams tonight uh, was essentially the four on offense and five on defense uh, with that starting lineup with Curry in the lineup. And it was very apparent that he was uncomfortable and not quite playing within his game as well. Uh, I think that some of these bigger guys, when they, you play the four out one in style, uh, if you're a six foot 10, six foot 11 guy, all of a sudden they feel like they need to be popping threes, putting the ball on the floor, uh, trying to distribute. And that's not necessarily the case. Uh, and and it, you look to, to Jordan Wara, Matt Cross. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of somebody else that's played the four in the last couple of years. There are plenty of guys who are like six, seven, six, eight power forward, small forward combos uh, who are not necessarily that. Uh, they can be, you know, pick and pop type of guys. Or they can be guys that are hitting from the corner or something like that. But, but it seems like uh, Malik Williams and Jalen Withers at times when they're at the four spot, they try to just, they, they don't play within their own game. And the whole point of putting them at the four is, is to have them provide the size, the length and the athleticism that they bring to the table, not to freaking try to go ISO ball, like and one tour style or try to, you know, um, I don't know, just try to come off a screen and take a three like that. That's not, that's not their games. It's, it's not going to be their games. Like they're not Noah Lop. They're not Matt Cross. Like they are six foot 10, six foot 11 guys uh, who were able to post you up, able to bang with you and, and ultimately able to kind of crash the glass a little bit. And we saw a lot more of that tonight with Jalen Withers, um, I hope that if Malik Williams continues to play a little bit of that like hybrid combo five, four spot that he will also crash the glass a little bit better than he did tonight. But that was the big takeaway from Weathers tonight. Definitely much more aggressive on the boards. Definitely uh, only driving in the lane when, when he had, uh, when he had the right matchup, you know, I think that Withers oftentimes we get the ball at the top of the key and feel like he needs to be the guy that's, that's initiating the offense and driving into the lane from the top of the key, making some sort of crazy move. And that's just, that's just not, that's not who he is. He's a guy who's a cutter. He's a guy who's going to get, get the ball on a cut. He's the guy who's going to, you know, get the ball and take a jab step and drive to the basket. He's not a guy who's going to get the ball uh, at the top of the key or on the elbow and just drive, drive into the lane. Like, like Jared West or Mason Faulkner would like, that's just not, that's not his game, and that's not anybody's game that's his size, except for, like, Kevin Durant or Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, th those are the kind of guys that <laughs> that can do that. That is not Jalen Withers. That's not Malik Williams. They got to play within their games. And I, I thought that, that Withers executed much better tonight. Uh, I thought that he crashed the glass a lot better. I thought that he went to the, went to the rim uh, much more aggressively. I thought that he was everything that Louisville has been imploring him to be. Uh, and if he can keep it together on, on the defensive end and just simply not turn the ball over and just try to just be himself on the offensive end, then he's absolutely still an asset for this team. And I think that's huge. Like it was, it was very apparent that there are some conversations between him, between him and the staff. And look, you look at some of the guys that, that are causing issues on this team and I'll give it back to you here, Nick, but I mean, it, just the three guys that I mentioned and there, there could be others as well, but Matt cross look, if you don't survive with Jim Laranega, like you're coming to camp Chris Mack. And if you don't like camp Chris Mack, then you're going to be going to Davidson or Iona or which Iona isn't even that bad right now. Florida Gulf Coast. I don't know. Davidson is about to be ranked as well. So okay. they've won 13. Well, I'm just straight. trying to think of a smaller school. Yeah, they're going to they're going to the Bobbies. They're going to Ohio or something like that, which Ohio was in the Sweet 16 last year. So I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. So, um, but re regardless, uh, Matt Cross, you're headed to JUCO. You're headed to a smaller school. You have shown nothing but to be a problem and a pest for two top-tier ACC coaches if you don't figure things out at Louisville. So it's do or die right now for Matt Cross. He has to listen. And look, you see Matt Cross go to the sidelines. Other players go to the bench. Immediately, 
one of the assistant coaches is picking up on Matt Cross when he makes a mistake or when he makes a good play. Like they're just trying to keep him level headed and just, you know, make sure that he's the player that he can be. Jalen Withers, again, he's a guy coming out of high school, his coaches and and those who recruited him were like, look, this is like a one, one and done, maybe two and done type of player. Um, and so from his perspective last year, he took a sacrifice for the team, right? He played the five, he played out of position and he knew by doing that, then he's not increasing his NBA draft stock at all. So now he gets into the system. He's supposed to be back to playing the four. And it, he is just totally just not where he needs to be. And I don't know if it's mentally. I don't know if he's got stuff going on off the court. I don't know what it is. But tonight, it seemed like for the first time since the exhibition games, he was finally playing within, within himself. And finally, Malik Williams has been the consummate leader on this team. I'm not sure what the issues are with him, but look, that's a guy that you need. You need him to reel it in. I don't know if it's, you know, Sidney Curry is playing well and he's just tired of being that second guy on the team and he wants to assert his dominance. I'm not really sure necessarily what it is, but like he's got to get it figured out. Like Chris Mack and the coaching staff has to figure, figure out how to rein it in for like 20 more games and, you know, try to convince him. Like, I mean, Malik Williams has played in one NCAA tournament. He's never won an NCAA tournament game. Think about that. Unless I'm unless I'm crazy, I don't know if he's on that on that uh, on that Rick Bettino team that that barely advanced to, and then lost to Michigan. Uh, but no, no, I I think that that he's never won an NCAA tournament game. He's a guy that doesn't have really a future in the league. I don't know where where he's going. So that I, I in my opinion, Malik Williams has to look at this uh, back half of the season and be like, look, this is my last chance to you know I chose to stay here. I chose to kind of make this my like last chance. Uh, and and do go out right, and you know the the last few games it, it has just not been that. It's been him just playing undisciplined, taking a lot of threes, uh, kind of sulking his way up and down the court. Uh, oftentimes we mentioned this last week. It's it's hard to tell if he's hurt or not. Like there's just a lot going on with the Malik Williams situation that maybe we'll find out after his career. But uh, those three guys really are the guys that I pinpoint as like, you know, they've been kind of issues on the team that need to just kind of lock it up a little bit, get it figured out. Uh, and, and, and if, the, if they can, you know, this team still has an, an outside shot of making something fun happen this season. But, but I mean, look, uh, you know, uh, this started was against Boston college. Like let's see it against Notre Dame. Let's see it against North Carolina and Duke. Like let's see what you can really, you know, bring to the table. But right, right now, I think tonight was a decent start. I just want to see them continue it going forward. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head with the the locker room talk. And I, like you said, I know you, with you and Jacob on with Rutherford, there was you guys talked at length about you know the locker room and things going on. And I know, like you said, some other people have been saying things on social media and on other recordings and stuff. And I think the thing that's really interesting to me is if it's Malik Williams and he's not leading and he's been there for 18 years, then what is that communicating to the eight guys that are new to the program, right? Like if he is no longer buying in or buying what Chris Mack is saying or just being receptive to, to basic coaching and practice, then that communicates to everyone that they don't need to do that, right? And, and you don't necessarily, I don't think we found ourselves. And I know some people were quick to say like, they just don't like each other and they don't like to play together and they don't, they're not friends. And sure, maybe that's true. And sometimes that can hurt your team chemistry. Sure. That's fair. I mean, I think in high school, that's a lot bigger deal than it is in college, but I, I do think there, there is an element here where if your leaders aren't leading, like what's going to happen, right? Cause if they're not li listening to the guy who had the six game suspension, if they're not listening to the guy who made all the changes, um, then, you know, what's going to happen from there. And I think we're still dealing with adjusted expectations. Like this whole year has been adjusted expectations for guys like Dre Davis, 
for guys like Jalen Withers, for guys that came in like Mason Faulkner, adjusted expectations, whether that was because he still was dealing with that ankle or whether it was because he just didn't play a lot of minutes early. And that maybe wasn't what he expected, you know, going the the transfer out multiple times, coming back home, you know, all those things for him, I think he thought was going to be different. I just think we're dealing with a lot of things here. And everybody else is too, right? Everybody else is dealing with COVID. Everybody else is dealing with roster flux, you know, fluctuation. Like everybody else has the same issues. So it's not an excuse by any stretch, but I think there are some factors going on here. Um, but what did I see that I like tonight? Body language wise, I felt like Chris Mack's body language was m- much better tonight. You know, like early, there were some things that was like, okay, he's sitting in a different seat tonight. I don't know if you noticed that from the arena, but he was multiple seats in on the bench. Thought that was interesting. Um, I don't know if that was like imploring his assistants to be a little louder or be more forward. I don't know. Um, I noticed that he did a lot less of, you know, messing with the play sheet and, you know, smacking the table and messing with the water bottle and just the little things that are like, can we not focus on those things, you know? And I felt like his body language was better. I saw him communicate with Jalen Withers tonight in a way I have not seen. I mean, hand around the hip, um, calmly giving instructions, calmly pointing out a mistake, um, did the same thing with several other guys. I saw Chris Mack emphatically imploring guys to get down in their stance on defense and to get back in transition um, in a positive way, in a way that was helpful for everybody. Um, and I really liked what I saw out of the bench. I mean, we got a bench warning tonight. When's the last time we got a bench warning? We got a bench warning because our players were up. I mean, those are the things that like don't show up in the stat sheet. But like Chris Mack was three steps past the coach's box and everybody on the bench was standing up, you know, waving towels and stuff. Like I, I saw guys who, you know, I saw Rose Wheeler tonight dancing after a, a Mason Faulkner three. Like that's those are the things that I'm like, those are the things that are encouraging, right? Because everybody has to buy in. Everybody's dealing with the adjusted expectations. Um, this season hasn't gone according to plan by any stretch. I mean, none of the guys that came in here as a transfer thought this team would be 11 and seven through 18 games. And they didn't, right? That's not what they came in here to do. And I think it is interesting. And I know you guys talked about this um, uh, with Rutherford, but a really interesting point that he made about how some of these guys that transferred in have already played in the NCAA tournament and have already played meaningful basketball. And so it's very different um, than say the transfers of a few years ago who were coming to play in the NCAA tournament, right? We've, we've started this pipeline of the Christian Cunninghams and the Carlick Joneses and even go bet, you know, go back further than that to the Damian Lees, you know, guys that came to play in the NCAA tournament. Right. And, and I think that's a different mentality because when you transfer in to go to the NCAA tournament, you will do whatever it takes to get the team there. And I know there was a comment made about like Jared West would sit the bench for 40 minutes if it meant we'd go to the NCAA tournament. I fully agree with that. I think he would. Right. Because he is bought in. He did everything he could do at Marshall. He played 35 minutes a game. He shot 40 percent from three and within the, within the paint. So, I mean, he did everything he could do. All that to say, these guys, these guys need to deal with the adjusted expectations. Um, and I think we're starting to see that. And again, like you said, put it together, right? It's got to be more than one game. It's brick by brick at this point. They're playing a, a Notre Dame team that's trending right now. Notre Dame team that's won six of seven at one point was really cooking. They got beat by Virginia Tech on Saturday in a, in a heartbreaker in a game they led for, I think, like 35 minutes. Um, just played a really um, cool turnaround game um, on Monday as part of an MLK celebrations. Uh, so that was super cool. So they got a little bit more of a rest than we do um, going into Saturday with the Russ Smith Jersey retirement and all that. But I got to see it for more than one game, obviously, but I'm not going to be too upset with it. Again, covered the spread did well defensively held a team to 29% shooting. I mean, I'm going to be excited about that. Things coming out of the Chris Mack presser encouraged me. Sounds like the tone's better. I know he made a, a comment about how his wife's going to let him in the house now. I mean, uh, you know, like I would like to see him soften up a little bit, right? That that shows me that things are starting to happen, right? Um, and as he said in the last after the pit game, just keep trying something else, right? Just do something else until something works. Keep plugging in different guys until a combination works. And the good news here is Prez going back to like the X's and O stuff is he can play that three guard two big lineup at, uh, against Notre Dame on Saturday. Notre Dame is undersized, good shooting team, good o- offensive efficiency team but not, not it on, on the defensive end and not very long. So we should see that lineup a lot on Saturday. So if it works, stick to it and, you know, 
ride it through Virginia if you need to. And, you know, when we get to Duke, we'll just figure out who's athletic and who wants to play. Yeah, no, let's touch on just a few things that you said real fast. Get into Notre Dame real fast, and then uh, and then we'll talk a little Russ Smith and get out of here. So, essentially, getting into the Chris Mack comments a little bit, because I know there's a lot of mixed reception. Some people were disappointed in the way that he was speaking. Some people thought it was funny because he was talking to Tim Sullivan, who's still, in my opinion, is the best journalist in Louisville, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but, but, but essentially... Uh, Listen, most of us have worked in customer service. Most of us have worked with other people in our lifetimes. When things are going good and your company is bringing in a lot of money and you are doing things the right way and things are happening the way that they're supposed to, when you kind of slip up and you're a little snarky with a, with a customer, with a coworker, or with anyone that you're dealing with, and this again, this is if you make $9 an hour, like that's, you know, that's okay because overall you're providing excellent customer service. You're doing things the way that you're supposed to, you're doing your job the correct way. You know what, if you slip up and, and, and somebody deserves to be told, you know, you know, and within your business transactions, you know, somebody needs to be put in their place a little bit like that's fine. If that's your personality and that's, you know, you have a good rapport with that person, like whatever, I get that. When your company has a bad re reputation, when things aren't going your way, when times are tough, like your every every single thing that you do as part of your company needs to be to ultimately bolster its reputation. Everything. And especially um, if you're an employee who is one of the highest paid people in, in the state of Kentucky, when you make $10,000 a day, as, as I tweeted out today, when you make, you know, $4 million a year plus bonuses, um, yes, there's going to be more pressure on you. I get it. But at the same time, you, part of your job, part of Chris Mack's job is to be able to sit there and answer questions, whether he thinks they're dumb or not and answer them in a professional manner. And I get that, you know, uh, I, I think there are a lot of people's responses where, well, you know, nobody was upset that he acted this way when he was winning. This is just who he is. Okay. I get that. But like, if I'm who I am, like if, you know, if, if I'm, you know, married, like, like Nick, if you're, if you're talking to your wife and she's upset with you, you're going to be, you're going to respond a little bit differently and a little bit more caringly than if you weren't, because otherwise you're just looking for a fight. You're looking to not develop your reputation with your wife. You're looking to cause issues, right? And ultimately I think that you have to look at, at things from, from that lens from that scope from that perspective like yes it is funny that chris mack has an attitude sometimes like for instance with the virginia tech uh interview at halftime when he got snarky with that lady that to louisville fans was funny because louisville was winning that game they were playing well they ultimately beat virginia tech and they, they All, beat a ranked team on the road exactly yeah. like those that is a time and place when you are allowed to you can get away with doing that sort of thing after uh on, on a you know on a day before a game or something like that like after you have um uh, uh, essentially you know said that you don't have the ear of the team and whatever and then you were asked why you don't have the ear of the team and then all of a sudden then you you're putting it back on somebody who it's simply their job to ask those questions like that's that's not okay man it's not okay and i think that that Chris Mack saw that it wasn't okay by the way that he reacted in the post game tonight when Tim Sullivan asked him questions he didn't give any you know he didn't give him any grief or any negative feedback uh, and, and and when there were other you know when there were issues on the floor tonight I think that like you said he was very much putting his hand around somebody's waist or you know you know putting your hand on their back and and, and just explaining calmly you know, what they could have done better in that situation rather than getting into somebody's ass. And I mean, look, let's be honest here too, as well. We're in a cultural shift in, in our country, uh, in, in this world. I mean, with, with, you know, COVID-19 and social justice and, and just the, every sort of movement that comes with, with the new generation of, of people, 
I mean, you know, most kids on this team were born like in 1999 or later, right? Like Malik Williams would, I was, I was looking at uh, players in the NBA that are older than Malik Williams or that are younger than Malik Williams. And there's like probably 30 players off that I could name off the top of my head that are role players or starters in the NBA that are younger than Malik Williams. Right. And I say that because he was born in 1998 and there are a lot of players on this team that were born in the two thousands and they were raised and have adapted to a climate that is far, far different than anything that Chris Mack would have coached Xavier. Then you add on the added pressure of, you know, they decided to come to a school that was, that was under NCAA sanctions and probation. They decided to come to a school where every coach that recruited against them recruited in a very negative manner. So they, they came to play for Chris Mack and this coaching staff, and they came to play for this university. And there was a reason for that. So when things aren't going right, Chris Mack can no longer handle them the way that he would have at a smaller school with a different sort of culture, with a with a different group grouping and a different generation of players. Like this is a whole different breed of person that you're coaching now. And I think that he has to take a step back and realize that that is fact. Like when you, I mean, just in his time at, at Louisville, when you look at, at the social ju- social justice movements, when you look at the dealings with COVID nineteen, like it's not that things are politicized. And I, I know that like somebody. Uh, you know, a lot of people look at it as being politicized, but ultimately there's just a lot of just things clashing and going on in this world that a lot of these players are raised into in general. Um, and so he has to be very careful with the way that he treats things. And when, when you're bringing in eight new players, most of whom aren't super like alpha males or anything that was, what's going to happen. Like we should have seen the writing on the wall, right? Uh, the way that that they behave culturally, the way that that they've grown grown up in things and the way that they're coming from all sorts of different programs and coaches. And you have to make all that mesh and you can't make that mesh by coaching the way that Chris Mack is traditionally coached. And I think that you saw the response tonight. Not every player and not every person, not every employee, not every spouse responds to the way that he coaches and relates to other people so that's my my chris max spiel tonight i feel like it was a lot better i felt like it was a little bit a little bit warmer i don't know if, if that will uh if he'll maintain that sort of thing but going into next week or not next week i guess saturday louisville is honoring russ smith on saturday it would be a gosh darn shame uh you know keep let the kids listen to this one it would be a gosh darn shame if Louisville came in and they lost to a pretty solid Notre Dame team, a Notre Dame team that I gave flack and I've, I've given them their flowers of recent. Um, they played a close game on Monday against, I can't even think of what team it was. I, I don't know why Hampton. I want to keep on a, what Marist was it? No, Hampton. Hampton. I'm sorry. Howard, Howard. Howard I'm sorry. That's what it We're was. We're struggling tonight. They played a close game because it was an HBCU. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, so and this that game was scheduled last year. Okay. Uh, Mike Bray is best one of his best friends is the coach at Howard. That game was scheduled last year on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. COVID canceled it because they weren't playing outside the league at that point in the schedule. He said, We'll make it happen. They had like this was their one slot. I guess they swapped like a, a Monday slot with the ACC. So he made it right. happen. Right. So Notre Dame barely survives Howard, but again given the circumstances and everything they kind of went out of their way to go on the road to play a game that was just not fortuitous to them at all so saturday they're going to come into a difficult environment um as empty as the arena was tonight and it was i'm talking i have to think back to freedom hall uh 10 inches of snow on the ground type of stuff to see a crowd like we saw tonight now, granted, when I arrived, because I knew that there was a leak in the roof and I kind of took my time getting down there and everything, when I sat down and they announced that 8.17 was the start time and it was only like 7.10 or so, a lot of people got up and left. 
So I will acknowledge that as well. But it was also it was a light crowd, and there's reason for that. Will was not playing well. Uh, the students aren't a lot of students aren't back on campus because NTI and all those other situations and everything. It's not going to be the case on Saturday. Um, if you haven't taken a look, take a look at Ticketmaster. Try to buy yourself a ticket. Uh, $5, $4 is the get-in price tonight. $52 is the starting price against Notre Dame. And to be quite honest, those are not great seats. Um, so the, the lower bowl is going to be full. Um, there will be a lot of really excited people who this will be the only game that they go to this season to see and honor Russ. Uh, there's, you know, we could get it. We could have a whole special podcast about uh, how special of a person and a player Russ Smith was and, and how deserving he is of, of this honor. The timing is a bit odd. And we, you know, I think everybody's acknowledged that a little bit, but, mm. um, you know, I think that also has to do with Vince Tyree and, and, you know, trying to find ways to get fans engaged and everything like that as well. I, I think, you know, to me, there's never a bad time to honor Russ Smith. Love the guy. Uh, changed the program probably for good uh, as a player, changed Rick Pitino as a person for good. Uh, just a special, special person and player, uh, especially his junior and senior season. I'm excited to honor him. Nick, any comments about Russ and any comments in general about, about the Notre Dame game that you're looking forward to? Um, Notre Dame, I am really interested to see the defensive effort. If this team does not bring it defensively, we will get beat on Saturday, quite frankly. Again, Notre Dame is not elite defensively, but their offense is pretty good. It has been humming as of late. Like you said, that game against Howard was on one-day rest. They traveled. They had just lost a, a game that they had led the majority of the game against Virginia Tech. I mean, that game was going to be close any way that you cut it. It meant a lot to Howard. They, that arena they played in was full and loud if you got a chance to see that on monday so like i don't put a whole lot of stock into that effort to be honest with you or that score um and i just watched it casually and i really didn't think notre dame did anything that was you know massive either way um, but i do expect their best effort um mike bray uh, you know as has been rumored that this might be his last year at notre dame this might be getting close for him um but they started off poorly and i've got it cooking recently they're they're still a team that's on the periphery of the NCAA tournament, there has the potential to potentially be a quad two win for Louisville. I think they probably won't finish in the top 75 if I had to guess, but who knows? And so, I mean, all that to say it's, it's a Russ Smith day. And so you better win. Like you said, like, I don't care. I don't, I don't care who they're playing. Um, they need to win in honor of him. Um, like you said, I know there's a lot of former players that are going to be there. Some guys that haven't been back in a while, lower bowl should be packed. I'll be up there in the upper deck with, with the peasants keeping it loud and, and uh, rowdy. Um, as far as Russ Smith, um, the moment that came to mind and I actually pulled it up and watched it real quick while you were talking was the Cincinnati game in 2014 where Russ came out off a high ball screen, dumped it to Rogier. Rogier came around the corner and then dumped it right back to him. Um, and if you remember, he splashed that in with like two seconds left. And I just remember being in Cincinnati, obviously not being at the game, but like absolutely losing my mind when he dumped the ball off, when Terry dumped the ball off, like, Oh boy, what is going on here? Um, but knew exactly what he was doing. Just remember going nuts, watching that one back on repeat. If I remember correctly, cards had trailed the majority of the game, um, had kind of played around Cincinnati kind of put it to him for a while. Of course, that's Mick Cronin coach Cincinnati, all those things too. Um, so I just remember that game, obviously the national title, um, his loose shorts that they wore of the Adidas set with the stripes. I've got my, I've got my Peyton Siva, um, China edition that I'm breaking out on Saturday. I'm excited about that. Um, but th those are the, those are the fond memories I remember. I think the thing for me, um, was just the development with, with Patino and, and Smith and just his ability one as a person to continue to fight. And I know you guys talked about this on the radio the other day, but gave, I was thinking about giving up basketball was not going to be in the rotation, all these different things. Um, it's still doubted to this day. Um, but undersized all those things, but kept fighting, um, became a heck of a, a guard for Louisville, heck of a player, heck of a national champion. Um, and I, I se severely miss having a guy who can just go get a bucket. And that's what Russ could do at any point in time. He would do some crazy things. Um, he was absolutely in your shorts defensively and he could go get a bucket and you could count on that for 35 minutes a night. Yeah. I mean, uh, we could go into Russ Smith stories for days. I mean, the one that I got into on, on the radio and the, the one that, you know, the moment that changed Louisville basketball forever People don't remember 
Rick Pitino in the middle of that first Final Four season in 2011-2012 was, I wouldn't say he was on the hot seat, but there was pressure for him to win, man, and he, and they simply weren't. Um, and it took Russ Smith and boxer shorts and no taped ankles and just, like, no stretching, like, ready to, to go home and transfer to a, a school in New York City to come off the bench and just ball out with his balls out. Um, and, and essentially, I mean, that, that's, that's essentially what happened. And essentially that is what changed the trajectory of global basketball forever. I think Greg Patino just realized like, look, I have a special person, a special player on my hands. We have to get him into the game. We have to get him involved. And, and ultimately he's what kind of changed the tune of that season Why they went on that massive run. Uh, to the final four and played one of the greatest Kentucky teams of all time. That, that literally, that is the only thing to stop them. Um, Smith and Smith backcourt. I mean, great, just a great season to kind of, you know, um, be a preview of an amazing season in 2013. And then the 2014 season was unbelievable, you know, unbelievable. And again, ran into a, a stalwart in Kentucky. God, those freaking guys. Anyways, uh, Notre Dame, uh, the one thing that I would look forward to as a Louisville fan is what does Louisville do to make sure they take advantage of Notre Dame's uh, just rebounding discrepancies? Uh, Louisville is 32nd in the country in offensive rebounding percentage, while Notre Dame is 329th. They're one of the worst teams in the country in offensive rebounding. Um, and they're one of the worst teams in the country in rebounding in general. Um, Louisville and Notre Dame, um, they their two strengths will be kind of going head-to-head as well. Uh, Louisville's defense is ranked 47th right now in Ken Palm, um, and Notre Dame's offense is ranked 41st in Ken Palm. So it'll be interesting to see those two matchups, two strengths going head-to-head. Uh, Mike Bray is just an, he's a, a really solid X's and O's coach, and Chris Mack will have his work cut out for him. Um, I'm interested to see who has to scout on this game, um, whether where whether it's Khalil or whether it's um, whether it's uh, uh, Coach Pegues or whether it's Ross. You know, I I, I want to see what what the game plan ultimately is um, for for Louisville against Notre Dame. But ultimately, I think that this is a game where the crowd is just going to will them to a victory. At least that's my hope. I think it's going to be one of those games where you look back and you're like, how the heck do they even pull that one out? Like I I truly do, but I think it's going to be a perfect opportunity for Noah Locke to kind of, to take over. I think that Notre Dame's defense can be outclassed by Louisville's offense. And that's saying a lot. Notre Dame doesn't bring bring much on defense. Um, So yeah, that, that, that'll be, that'll be the deciding factor. Like I've said in previous post-game podcast, Louisville has to continue to win with defense. I think they did against Boston College tonight. I think that's a good start, and I, I think that that's what they have to have to do against Notre Dame. It's just, it's just a game that Louisville so desperately needs to win, not only for the season, but for us, man. You can't lose on the day that you honor only – you retire only the fifth jersey ever in program history. Like, you have to. You have to win. And, and like we talked about with Mike on Monday – this might be the last jersey that Louisville ever retires. Like, if you think about the way that the game projects, right? Like, if you look at, at the Louisville players that are in the NBA right now, you know, Terry Rozier was a, was an excellent player, but he was never getting his jersey retired just because he left before he was at that point in his, in his college career. Donovan Mitchell, I mean, obviously on the way to being, you know, a, a three-time NBA All-Star and, you know, it's a little too early to say that he's an NBA a Hall of Famer, but he's definitely on that trajectory. Uh, you know, you look at, at, at Gorgie, you know, Gorgie was kind of like a, a project player, you know. But, I mean, I'm, I'm just, th- just thinking about guys that, that are in the league right now that, that, you know, only played two, three years at Louisville. You really have to be a four-year guy. You really have to uh, win a national title and break all kinds of records and just be above and beyond great to be that guy and for Louisville basketball to get your name in the Raptors. This might be the last guy ever. You can't, you can't lose a game if you're Louisville 
uh, with with the with the last you know with the last guy to have his jersey retired ever uh, having his name hung in the Raptors. You just can't. Louisville has to find a way to win this game. I think that they can, but you know, I hope that my Notre Dame comments from a few weeks ago don't come back to bite me. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, but any final comments before we get out of here, Nick? No, I think I think everything you said. I'm hoping the fans are loud. Um, I'm hoping the fans are out in large numbers. Hopefully the severe weather and all that is out of the way before Saturday, which I think it will. I think it's just going to be cold um, and you're ready to get warm in the yum and honor Russ and be in your seat before tip. And before we hear Rutherford's voice, hopefully on the intro again, right? Get ready to go and uh, excited to see that the three guards and the two bigs again and defensive intensity. And again, brick by brick at this point, right? Just small wins small things. Let's get better at something each game. And if we can do that, you can, you can get something out of the season. And that's what I'm looking for at this point. Yeah. One win at a time. Uh, you can't have a winning streak without getting the first one. Louisville did that tonight. Doesn't matter who is against. Uh, we look forward to seeing you guys after hopefully a win on Saturday until then go cards beat Notre Dame. Go cards. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.